It's time now for Acme Radio Gear Gap, featuring your favorite musicians talking about the music gear they use on tour and in the studio. Brought to you in part by IK Multimedia, musicians first. Now here's your host, Eric Dahl. Welcome to Acme Radio Gear Gab. Our special guest today is the uh, is the Oats of Holland Oats, John Oats. Uh, you know he's won so many awards over the years, and it's great to have him on the show. Uh, Songwriters Hall of Fame in 2004, in 2014, uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, BMI ASCAP. Uh, you've got the Icon Award, I believe, yeah, if I'm correct. Yes, we do. And uh, you know so many great albums. I was listening to uh, Holland Oats. You know your songs and everything, driving down. And uh, the songs still hold up so well. And the thing is, you're staying so current. Well, trying to, you know, uh, I I love music and I love making new music. So when you when you want to make new music, man, you just got to keep forging ahead. Well, you were talking today too before you came on the show that you were uh, doing some songwriting sessions. Even <laughs> yeah, I did. A, I did a songwriting session today out way out in the country with uh, Mac Davis, the legendary Mac Davis. Uh, the, you know, the fellow who, if you don't know who Mac Davis is, uh, you know, he wrote songs for Elvis, and um, you know, he's had had his own TV show. He oh, starred yeah. in movies. Uh, he's just a legend, and he's an incredible guy. He's an amazing songwriter and a really interesting guy. I think really we wrote a song. You know, we wrote a song for a few few hours, and then I just sat back and he just started. playing playing me songs and telling me stories about Elvis and Frank Sinatra and hanging out in Las Vegas and it's just unbelievable that so is so amazing you it know made, it, it made a great day well you know and, and just a great entertainer oh, you know and, and like you said you said earlier you know before yeah. we were rolling you said it's like everything that comes out of his mouth is, is like a song it sounds like a song lyric I know <laughs> He's just telling stories, and I'm sitting there going, man, I should be writing this stuff down. Oh, my gosh. But you know what? You haven't done too shabby either. I mean, if you think about, you know, the uh, the, the number of hits, and, you know, you and Daryl, uh, you know, now basically one of the top rock and roll uh, duos in history, yep. you know, and with your top 10 hits and everything right. else. And, I mean, you know, uh, where did you guys meet originally? Well, we met in Philadelphia. We were both uh, right out of high school, and we both had separate groups, and he had a single out. And I had a single out all at the same time being played on the same uh, in Philadelphia R&B stations. Wow. And that's how we met. We were aware of each other. And, yeah. it, and really Philadelphia, especially in the 60s, small, very small music community. And we met, you know, uh, through uh, promoting our individual records. And then I ended up joining his group as a guitar player because my group fell apart. And uh, that then subsequently... Daryl's group fell apart, and the two of uh, two of us were just we came, became friends and started hanging out. That is so cool. Now, yeah. what were you playing guitar wise back then? Um, let's see. I was playing. Well, I always played acoustic. I think acoustic was kind of my first go to instrument, uh, an acoustic guitar. Let's see. I was playing a. Um, I had a Guild F F forty. I believe Ooh. it was. And I also had a Yamaha guitar that really? I played for quite a while back then. It looked like a replica of a Hummingbird. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, those. Yeah, I had that. Um, and those and, Guild F40s are just amazing. Yeah, my, and my electric guitar was a was a Les Paul Special. A tan, really? A tan Les Paul Special, which, I, to be honest with you, I didn't like that much, but it cost me 100 bucks. I bought it from my, <laughs> my the older brother of one of my friends, and uh, it, the price was right, and it was a Gibson, so it was all right. Well, you know, you became so aligned uh, from your music videos and everything else with Stratocasters. Yeah. Because you were using a lot of strats. And in fact, you know, your main go-to one, uh, Seymour Duncan, kind of. I'm, I'm still playing that same strat. Uh, <laughs> Is that great? I, I bought that in 1974 from a drug dealer in New York. <laughs> and I, I paid 150 bucks for oh, that. Oh. So <laughs> that, that was the deal of the century because it's a 58 strat. And uh, wow. um, over the years, it had been converted to humbucking pickups. Gotcha. And um, so... Uh, 
then after playing it for many, many years, all the way through the 80s into the 90s, I decided to retire it because it was, you know, a 58 Strat. Oh, I yeah. Thought, I shouldn't take this on the road anymore. So kind of put it away. And then about, gee, I guess it was, it was quite a while ago. It was probably about 10 years ago. Um, I went to visit Seymour Duncan out at his shop in California. And he said to me, he said, man, whatever happened to that, that cool 58 Strat of yours with the humbuckers? <laughs> yeah. And I said, well... I said I still have it, and I said I and I still have, but I had it had it converted back to strat uh, configuration. Right, right, with the single coils. Yeah, with the single coils, and um, but I still had the pick guard with the two humbuckers in it. So he said, "Man, he goes, you know, that was an iconic guitar." He goes, "You're the first," and he told me, he said, "You're the first guy I ever saw who had." actually change the pickups in a Stratocaster. Ahead of your time. I mean, maybe I was, maybe I wasn't, but that's not the point. It, it made it meant something to him. Yeah. He said, let's, why don't we take, he said, why don't we restore it back to the way it was in the early 70s when you were playing it? Wow. And I said, very cool. So I went back to the house, pulled out the pick guard out of the back of the closet. <laughs> and interestingly enough, I look on the back of the pick guard and the bridge pickup was a uh, an original PAF. Oh my gosh! From the fifties. Wow. And the the neck pickup was a Seymour Duncan. Really? And it might have been one of the earliest ones he ever made. Had to have been in the early seventies. Back when he was hand winding. So I called him up and I said, "Man, dude, you're not going to believe this, but I'm going to send you the guitar and the pick guard as as planned. But when you see the pick guard, you're going to see one of your old pickups." So I I back boxed it all up, sent it to him, and he videotaped. It's on YouTube. Yeah, you yeah, I've watched the video. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he took it out of the box, and he and that sure enough, it was one of his original old pickups, wow. uh, which he subsequently replaced with one of his newer state-of-the-art PAF replicas. Right. So now it has the original PAF in the neck, yeah. and it has one of his newer PAFs, and uh, he he uh, restored it, and it's fantastic. And I've been playing it ever since on the Hall and Oates show. I play it all the time. Wow. So it's back cool. in action. And then uh, and then we were talking earlier, too. Now, what do you use an amplifier-wise, too? Because you're using a different amplifier out with Hall & Oates than you do for yeah. your solo work. Yeah. Well, with a Hall & Oates show, it's a pretty big show. Mm -hmm. It's a lot more level volume on stage. So um, I had been using a, um, a really great Pro Reverb that I bought from Tom Bukovac. Oh, yeah. Actually, I didn't – well, I didn't buy it from him voluntarily. He made me buy it from him. <laughs> Before he could leave the uh, store, right? Yes. No, no. Before I could leave his garage. Oh, my gosh. I had asked him to do an overdub for me on a project. I was working on and uh, after he finished doing um, yet one of his amazing uh, you know guitar parts oh yeah he's so good Tom's incredible uh, I said man what do I owe you and he said nothing and then we're walking out to my car and we're walking through his garage and his garage was stocked with stuff <laughs> and he said you have to buy this amp and I said what do you what do you mean he goes that's your that that's your you're, you're gonna like that buy it and I went, okay, so that's the price I got to pay for your guitar. <laughs> for doing, the right? track. And it was worth every penny. So um, I, You get a track, you get an amplifier. That's right. It was a Pro Reverb, and I used that in combination with a new Todd Sharp um, amplifier that Todd, Todd used to be our guitar player back in the, in the 70s. Oh, okay. Todd played guitar for us. It was his first pro gig. He was 18 years old, right out of high school. Oh, my gosh. And he was our lead guitar player in 1975. That's amazing. And Todd is just a, a great human being and yeah. an amazing amp guy. And oh, a, yeah. And a great guitar player. So um, I've been using one of Todd's combo amps, and it's fantastic. It sounds beautiful. It's got great tremolo, great reverb. And I use it actually in stereo combination with that pro reverb that I got from Bukovac. How amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I borrowed combo. one of Todd's amps, and it's like, sounds so good. I mean, he's doing good. so – and the controls are obviously laid out different, as you know. Yeah, they're, they're unique. Yeah. Unique the way he set everything up with the notched, um, you know, kind of uh, – But I like it. It's, it's very cool. You can still dial in your sound, right? Uh, you know, for me – uh, I, I'm pretty I'm pretty bare bones. Once I find a sound, 
I'm usually, that's the sound I use. Yeah. I, I don't go tweaking stuff and turning knobs all night long. You know, if I find something that works for me, I get let my pedal board do the rest. Well, you know, and you always, I think, had a, a very good knack of dialing in the right tone for the right song. You know, on, on the hollow note stuff and also on your solo stuff. You know, from like your blues album and on your last album and everything, um, you've got a good ear for dialing in tone. Well, I, I've been making records a long time, so I know, <laughs> a let's couple just days it up now. To what? That. Yeah, what? Yeah. The first one came out in 1966, right? Seven, yeah. 67. Yeah, the 67. So a couple days. Yeah, a couple days. A couple long <laughs> days. <laughs> and still going strong. Yeah. So, uh, so like when uh, you recorded with the Time Jumpers on the on the recent uh, Christmas songs, yeah. what kind of gear were uh, you using with that, John? Um, an acoustic guitar. Really? Your Martin? <laughs> my new Martin, my new custom Martin that I had built at the custom shop uh, that I went, that I kind of spec'd out with them. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you know, it's a really scary thing when you buy, you have an expensive custom guitar built, especially an acoustic. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, it could be very expensive and it can take a long time to build. And if you don't like it, you bought it, dude. Right. So, um, it's and, in, and it's beautiful. I mean, with, is, with your logo inlaid and the, the fretboard thing, and everything. Aesthetically, it's beautiful. Oh, my god. What I was really worried about was, it, was it going to sound good and was sure. it going to play well? Yeah. And, man, they hit, they hit the ball out of the park. I... I ha- I now, give us a little guitar. information. Now, who did you work with, and what are the specs on this one? Because I know you had some custom things done yeah, on this. Well, I worked with the guys in the custom shop. Scott Fall- Fallweiler at Martin was kind of my my guy you okay. know, in terms of uh, le- you know putting it all together. What we did is we did a tour of the museum. And by the way, for all you guitar players out there, and even non-guitar players, if you ever get to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, go to the Martin Museum because it is fantastic. So did Dick Boke take you Dick, on the tour? Dick Boke was there. Oh, he I said, go on the said hi and everything. And um uh, the gal who does their does their PR, Amani, and uh, also Kate Richardson, who does my PR, yeah, and also reps Martin. Kate's incredible. Yep. So there was a lot. It was a kind of a family thing. And then after the the tour of the museum, went into the shop and got a nice tour of the shop. And uh, I said, listen, you know, I'm here. This is the time to do it. Yeah. And uh, I had a I had something in mind. I wanted a double uh, double O eighteen mm. size. Right. But I wanted it a little uh, deeper in the body. Ah. So they made it a half inch deeper in the body, so it's 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 thicker, wider. So do you feel that like gives you a little more bass resonance? A little resonance? more oomph, a little more lower mids, okay. and um, and but I do like the small body size. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. then I had a neck. Um, I felt a bunch of their necks, um, and I found one that was very close to what I wanted. Uh, and I had a certain nut, you know, dimension that I wanted, which they did. And then the other stuff was aesthetic. Uh, I wanted a 1930s sunburst. It was oh, very yeah. kind of dark golden sunburst. I love that. I it's love that dark big. sunburst. It's not big and yellow. It's mm. a little more, you know, subdued. And then he did a beautiful herringbone, um, you know, purfling around the outs, uh, around the bi- binding around the body. Now, are they, gonna, are they uh, going to make that into a signature model that's available or is that just the one they made for you right I now? I hope not. Ah. <laughs> well, that would mean you get a prototype <laughs> no. for free though, right? Well, you know, <laughs> I, I, no, it's, it's, listen, if they want to make it, they can make it. They know what it is. Well, now I mean, you use that one a lot on I your uh, DVD all, also, didn't I you? I use it all the time. Yeah. Cause when I, you know, I was watching it on uh, television, obviously I've got a copy of the DVD and, you know, and I saw you playing that one as well, you know, on there. And, and it sounded amazing. It's my go-to acoustic. I've got some great acoustics, but the, I've fallen in love with this guitar. It's, it's, like I said, it looks great. It sounds great. It plays great. What more do you want? It's very warm. It is a you know uh, acoustically and plugged in. And, and I do uh, have to. I have to give some props um, to the Bags Company because I'm using the Bags Anthem. Really? Pickup. Um, I like those. Which I have also uh, really feel really good about. I've actually converted all my acoustics to that, that pickup. Really? Uh, it's it's a great natural sounding pickup. I love the fact that you can roll between the pickup and the microphone. Right. Inside it. Um, it's 
it's been b bulletproof for me and the battery last seems to last forever so it's got a lot going for it and i think that combination of that martin guitar with that bags pickup is a just a winner winning combination so on the uh the two songs that uh, just recently came out with you and the time jumpers mm -hmm. those were recorded using your new martin well the uh no, actually, uh, because I played electric guitar on the Time Jumpers track. Oh, okay. Um, Vince and I played the rhythm part, and Andy Reese played the lead, uh, and of course the rest of the Time Jumpers. And and, and you can't thing. go wrong with Vince yeah, or Andy. It was a real yeah, <laughs> <laughs> really. It was an embarrassment of riches right there. <laughs> How um, awesome! I actually played a um, I am uh, played a, a brand new D'Angelico New Yorker. Oh my gosh, with, I like those. Lounge, yeah, because it was a it's a jazz swing track. Totally. And so I went all the way, you know. So I had a, I have a one of the re, you know the repros of the uh, D'Angelico New yeah. Yorkers. Beautiful guitar. Now this uh, it just came out on vinyl. Yeah. And it's a it's uh, available on iTunes, right? Uh, well, the vinyl is only available on my website, johnoats.com or hollandoats.com. Okay. And if you get the vinyl, it's a green uh, green clear Christmas vinyl with um, uh, it's got a B side. Yeah. But on iTunes, you can or, or Amazon or wherever you can download it, and uh, it's only the A side. Well, we're going to take a listen to uh, John Oates and the Time Jumpers on Santa Be Good to Me. Thanks for tuning in to Acme Radio Gear Gab. To listen to this song and the full show playlist, head to acmeradiolive.com and check out the Gear Gab page under archives. And that was Santa Be Good to Me with John Oates and, of course, the Time Jumpers. And uh, what a great sounding track. Oh, thanks, man. That, I, I love this song. I'm just uh, so proud of it because it, uh, to me, it reminds me of a classic Christmas song. I, I hope it gets played for, for many years to come. It's so my co-writer on it uh, sent me a screenshot yesterday, the fact that it's number six on the country wow. streaming charts. So I can't believe after all these years I've got a, <laughs> I got a top ten country song. That's pretty crazy. You know what's amazing, though? And we were talking earlier uh, before we uh, started doing the show to where, you know, you really – ingratiated yourself here with the uh with nashville musicians such as vince and andy and all these people and like we're talking about mac and and tom bukovac you've really become a part of the nashville community well that's uh, that's that's that makes me feel really good uh to know that i'm part of this community because it's a great music community and uh i, I love being around musicians and uh that's my world so you know i want to be in it well it's just incredible and you you and i were talking a little while ago too um you know that you know, with some of your acoustic gear, because, you know, obviously you got the great Martin, you've got other, you know, Martins and other guitars that you use. But we were talking about your uh, pedal board mm -hmm. that, you're, uh, that you have put together and then also uh, some of your amplifiers that you were talking about. Yeah, well, I've got a really cool little uh, acoustic setup because, you know, when I do my acoustic shows, I'm either playing by myself or maybe playing with one other accompanist like Guthrie Trap or something like oh, that. Yeah. Or a small, very small trio or quartet. Uh, it's never loud and it's always very unplugged in style. So um, I had Barry over at Ex Exact Tone Solutions in Barry Hill yeah. who does great pedal board work. Um, he built me this tiny little compact setup with a mini tuner and uh, the Strymon El Capistan uh, delay, which I use a lot. And he kind of modded it for me and, and put it together in a really compact little package and so you can just throw it in your gig bag oh, or yeah. in your backpack right in, it's tiny and uh that with a you know with a one spot for power and i'm good to go and sometimes i use my aer compact 60 which uh, serves uh both as not as only as an amplifier but as a direct box. Well, and you were saying earlier too that you you use that for some of the uh smaller gigs you do to where you can run a microphone and your guitar yeah i've, done, the I've AER. done house concerts with uh, the aer amp alone 
plugged in with that mic plugged in pl- guitar plugged in set it on a chair and just and those amps are so light and sound so good yeah they're, they're really great it's amazing now we were also talking about some of your other amplifiers to where uh, there's a little bit of a story on a 67 fender princeton uh, you got yeah, yeah. we um it's about three years ago uh, we, i was doing some solo shows up in chicago area and i played a place called space it's in northern chicago okay cool little room a listening room and um, I was there with a trio, and Guthrie Trap was playing guitar with me at the awesome. time. Awesome. So we go there for sound check, and there were um, I, I had requested a backline set up because I didn't want to carry amps. Oh, stuff. yeah. And there were two amps on stage. It was a Deluxe and this little uh, Princeton. And uh, they were both vintage Fenders. Wow. Uh, turned out the guy who owns the club was a blues player, and they ah. were his personal amps. So, you know... Being the nice guy that I am, I said, hey, Guthrie, man, play these amps and see which one you want to play. And, of course, Guthrie, being the amazing lead guitar player that he is, always took the bigger amp. <laughs> right. So he took the deluxe, right? <laughs> so then I said, well, I'll check out this this Princeton. So yeah. I plugged into the Princeton. I, I strummed one chord. I hit Guthrie's head went around on a swivel. He went, that sounds amazing. I said, yeah, it sure does, and it's mine. <laughs> and so I played it that night on the show, and after the show, I um, – I, I went to the owner of the club and I said, hey, man, I, I hate to tell you this, but I, I got to take the sample with me. And he's like, no. He said, oh, my god! And I said, yes. yes. And he said, no. And it went back and forth a little bit. I said, I said, you can take it off my paycheck. I don't care what you do. Right. I'll pay you. I'll write you a check, however you want to do it. But the amp's coming with me tonight. And he was like laughing. He goes, you really want it that bad? And I said, yes, I do. And he said, okay. So I ended up buying it from him. So And it's fantastic. Okay. I got to know how much you gave for it. No, I won't tell you. Because <laughs> you think you might be selling it I to me one day. Job. No, you never know. You never know. Because <laughs> I told a, you I was looking for a Princeton. It's a great little amp. Well, I'll keep you in mind. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's hard to find a Princeton, particularly in Nashville, because, you know, it's like the Nashville amp. Oh, yeah, sure. Because sound men love it here, particularly downtown, like we are here in Acme Seed and Feed, where um, it can't go too loud, but also it sounds so it incredible. It sounds so great. Yeah, it's a, it is a perfect amp for the smaller applications. You know, like, uh, I mean... You know, I, so you're right. So many people just, that's the go-to amp. Yeah. And I mean, you, you can't beat them for clean sound. And also, if you drive them hard enough, you get the breakup. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah, Kenny Vaughn plays one with Marty Stewart, and that's all he plays. You know, when Kenny face. came in studio and he plugged that thing in, I, my jaw oh, yeah. dropped. Of hey, course, you know, Kenny, I, once again, monster player. Yeah, monster player. It's But, <laughs> but uh, you know, he I always see him with that amp, and he seems, seems to work for him. Honest to gosh, I thought he modded the amp. Because you know it sounded know. so good, and I don't think Knowing he modded him, it. No, he's so he's 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 such a purist. That I'm sure it's uh, it's pretty pretty stock. Now you were talking about another amp you've been using uh, also the um, the Swart. I use a Swart Atomic Space Tone. You know those are <laughs> you know those are not easy to find. They are all hand built in North Carolina. Yeah, the guy Michael Swart builds them. Um, I've got a whole bunch of them. I've got three of them. They look cool, and they look cool. They look old, vintage, they but. Do. But they're all state of the art and, and, and you know class A hand wired type type amp. Uh, great, I have to say, my, pr- probably my favorite tremolo of any amp I've ever heard. I've heard so many people say that, and that they're great recording amplifiers. Also, yeah, I've used that many times. I use that on most of my uh, free, last couple solo projects. Really? Yeah. Now, now, which what did, what did you use amp wise? I know that um, a lot of your last solo album was recorded at Vince's studio, right? No, only one track. One track? One track. And then where did you record the other ones at? All, every every song was recorded in a different studio. Really? So there was a couple. And you can't tell it by the sound of it. Yeah, a couple at Blackbird, a couple at Addiction, which, which was where I did my DVD and my video. Yeah. Um, one at Vince's. I did one at Ryan Tedder's studio in Denver at, yeah. his, at his house. 
Um, so do you end up having Jonathan Cain sit on some of your stuff? Since no, you, uh, actually, it's funny. Jonathan Cain and I have been friends for a long time. Yeah. We've never actually played together. But I love his studio, him and David Kalmuski over at uh, Addiction. Right. Uh, they've kind of adopted me. It's become my second home, and I go there all the time. That now. is so awesome. It's studio. Yeah, I recorded some in New Orleans. Uh, that was the whole theme of that Good Road to Follow album, that it was going to be... I was I wanted to enter the world of all these different people, whether they be writers, producers, artists, and you know, go to them and do what they do and right. collaborate with them on their on their terms. That was kind of the thing. Is so, you know, like I said, uh, the thing was recorded all over the place. That's amazing. Yeah. And and listening to it, and obviously I've listened to it a lot. It doesn't sound that way. Well, I've been making records a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, typically, yeah. you know, you, a lot of times you can tell. Yeah. You know, particularly when, you know, people send in tracks or they've done different studios, you can sort of hear like the well, difference in levels. And I and, did. You know. I had a lot of consistency with the mixing. Right. Okay. You know. Wow. That's amazing. Well, you know, I, I think also uh, we ought to bring up uh, the DVD uh, mm-hmm. that came out with that also uh, with the live CD. Right. That was kind of a companion piece to Good Road to Follow. Good Road to Follow was the album, the, but then I didn't really tour behind it, and mm-hmm. I wanted to play that music. So I decided to do a, a, a DVD and uh, also uh, included a live audio CD in it. It's called Another Good Road, which right. is, I guess, a, you know, a sequel to Good Road to Follow. And I did some of the songs, but in a more live with more live arrangements. Well, you know, and and it got a lot of TV play as well. Yeah, it was on Palladia and yeah. Palladia Network for the entire year. It got, got played a lot, and people seemed to dig it. And it was really live. I mean, we we did that at Addiction Studios as well. Really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, it just it very, had it had such a great feel. It was a one day shoot. It was all live. It was all real. <laughs> we really didn't fix anything on that. You know, and it almost kind of, you know, watching it, it almost kind of had that smoky bar feel to it, you well, know? Well, we try to create it. We try to make it look like a kind of a hippie lounge there. In, yeah, I like it. studio, yeah. Well, now, let's also, you and I were talking about some of your new gear that you picked up. And, uh, you know, I, I know the story on your James Trussart that you picked up, a yep. uh, guitar that you've been playing for a while. Yeah, I love that guitar. It's a, it's one of his steel casters. Right. And it's got, uh, it's got roses on it, in ba- you know, in, embossed into the metal. Uh, it's got a great sound, you know. It's a, it's a solid guitar. It plays well. Uh, and it's unique. It doesn't sound like a telly. It looks like a telly, sort of. Yeah. But it doesn't sound like one. And um, every time I've used it, I've had great results. So that's one. I, I've also got a, um, I've got a custom shop gold Strat that was built for me that's a replica of my 58 Strat. Really? I didn't know that. Well, I had sent the 58 when I... And we're kind of going backwards. It's kind of convoluted. Yeah. But when I took the 58 Strat off the road, I sent it to the custom shop to have it reconfigured like a Strat with right. single coil pickups. When I did that, I sent, uh, I bought a, a, a custom shop Strat from them. And I said, while you're at it, while you've got this original in your hands, yeah. will you replicate this guitar for me in every dimension, the neck shape, the everything about it. And so they, um, and the only difference is it has a different finish. Wow. Yeah. So I've got that. That's incredible. It's pretty nice, a nice, uh, nice guitar. And I got a, a, just bought a brand new, um, right off the shelf, um, Gibson 390, uh, the Memphis special with the P90s in it. I love those with the P90s. Very warm. And I hear again, I bought that from Tom Bukovac. (laughs) Did you get a guitar track? Uh, no, no, this was a, this was one of those <laughs> typical things. I walked into his shop. Was this in his garage? No, this oh, is that second good. gear okay. over there in Berry Hill. Yeah, great little shop. Uh, if you're a guitar, if you're a guitar geek, and that's where you want to be, um, <laughs> I walk in there and uh, I said, "Hey, Tom, how's it going?" He just looked at me and he pointed at the guitar hanging on the wall. He goes, "He goes, you need that." He knows you. He said, "You need that." Right? He's there. like a guitar whisperer. He's a gu- yes, he is a guitar whisperer. <laughs> 
and not only that, but he set it up, and I'll tell you, he does a great setup. Um, so, what I, color it, is it? It's sunburst. It okay. looks like it looks like a miniature three thirty five. Yeah, because the body size is smaller, but you know, you still yeah. got the full scale and everything. And I played it. It played like a dream. He said, "He said, good, right?" I said, "Yep." So I bought that, and then I played it live, and it was it was really too uh, it was too resonant. It was feeding back. Oh, okay. Because it's totally hollow. Oh, like a three thirty then? Yeah, three thirty. There's oh, no block. Oh, see, I thought it was solid. No, had a, a solid block like a three thirty five. No, totally open. And um, so uh, Greg over at Classic Axe on the row on Music Row. Yeah. He um, he stuffed it for, with foam for me and uh, and got it all tweaked up, and it sounds great now. So wow. Well, you know, and that's the thing. You know, that was always the, the challenge with the three thirties. Yeah. You know, once you started maxing mm-hmm. out volume, you know, you started getting that whole vibration yeah. inside the guitar. It was way too resonant. Wow, I got to check that one out. Now, let's also talk about your uh, your 67 Jazz Master you picked well, up. Well, that's another Tom Bukovac special. <laughs> I had actually told, I, I always have, my, my entire life, I've never owned a Jazz Master. And I always wanted one because when I was a kid, Curtis Mayfield played a uh, Fender Jazz Oh, Master. yeah, totally. Love Curtis. And um, he played a Jaguar and a, and a Jazz uh-huh. Master. And uh, both guitars were guitars that I kind of coveted but never owned. So uh, I remember one, it was quite a while ago, when it went to, B- to Bukovac's shop, and I said, hey, man, I'm looking for Jazz Masters, and he, and he had one, and I played it, and it was like, didn't speak to me. It was, right. it was good, but it wasn't. And then I went back there during the recording of, I produced an album called Paper Bird recently, last year, and um, during the recording, we took a break, I went over there, and he goes, I got your Jazz Master. <laughs> And it was a, it's a 67, and it looks like it just oh. came out of the box. Oh, my goodness. I mean, goodness. there's not a scratch on it. It's yeah. fantastic. And I've got it set up with flat wounds. Perfect. And uh, it's got that thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of that thing, we're going to take a listen now to the uh, B-side. Now, now you're telling me, John, you can only get this if you buy the, the album, right? If you buy the, the single, the, the vinyl single. Mm-hmm. On the vinyl single, there's an A-side, which we just heard, so right. it'd be good to me. And then the B-side, which is old gospel tune, Go Where I Send Thee. And on this one, I'm playing that, that ES-390, that oh, wow. one we just talked about. Well, let's take a listen to it. This is uh, Children, Go Where I Send Thee, John Oates with the Time Jumpers. Thanks for tuning in to Acme Radio Gear Gab. To listen to this song and the full show playlist, head to acmeradiolive.com and check out the Gear Gab page under archives. That sounded amazing. Now, that was actually the John Oates trio playing on that, not yeah. with the Time Jumpers. Time Jumpers was Time on the Jumpers first track. Time Jumpers was on the swing track on Santa Be Good mm-hmm. to Me, but this was just me and uh, Josh Day on drums and David Kalmuski playing bass. It, I love the take you did on this, John. Well, I want, we were going for that Sun Records Elvis kind of thing. You know? <laughs> I love it, man. No, I'm trying to ch- channel my inner Elvis there. Well, and then you did your own uh, backup vocals on yeah, it too, Yeah, I did right? all the background vocals. I tried to do that gospel quartet. Thing. I love it. And, and we were talking about the uh, the effects you used on there were, uh, were your uh, Strymon Delay. Strymon Delay and just the Swart Amp with tremolo. And a little bit of reverb. And a little reverb. Yep. It, it sounds amazing. It's clean. It's real. But that's, uh, yeah. you know. That's great. I mean, that's worth it just to get, you know, be able to get the B-side on well, that. Then go on the website and buy one. <laughs> that's right. And so now what uh, what websites can you get? It's uh, on and hollandoats.com, okay. one word. And you can get the vinyl single. I've even uh, autographed a bunch of them. So you can, if you want an exclusive uh, autographed copy, you can get that too. So. I'm going to have to get mine autographed here. Absolutely. You know? And But it's so cool that you did it with uh, the see-through record. It see-through reminds, green and red. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of? Remember those uh, the uh, old drums where they pearl, the old see-through yes. ones? Yes. That's what that reminds me it of. It does look a little like that. That's right. <laughs> Cool. Well, you know, we were talking earlier, you know, uh, you've been, uh, you know, besides doing all the songwriting and uh, and obviously, you know, uh, touring and doing gigs with your solo music and also with Hall & Oates because you just wrapped up that tour in September. Right. And you said you're going to start back touring with Daryl. Uh, yeah, it looks like mid-March. Okay. Yeah. And then 
you've been, you spent the last two years in between doing all of these great things, uh, working on a book also. Yeah, I'm a little crazy, I think. I'm, I don't know. Like, Your wife tolerates it. I, she's, she's happy with it, with See? what's going on. You know, maybe maybe she likes what I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> Must be something for, to be said for that. Yeah, probably. and she tolerates you going over to Tom's and buying you know, yeah, guitar gear. You know, so Hey, hey listen, I, it, it could be a lot worse stuff that I could be buying. Always, always. Well, yeah. let, let's talk about this book some. So now the new book comes out uh, April 4th. April 4th, 217. It's called Change of Seasons. And uh, I did it with St. Martin's Press. Um, had a great uh, co-writer and a researcher named Chris Epting who worked on it with me. And uh, it's been a labor of love. It's very uh, really new experience for me. To, uh, it's something I've always wanted to do. Uh, and I didn't know how hard it was going to be mm-hmm. and how involved it was going to be. And uh, interesting, it was kind of like, in a way, like regressive therapy. Uh, because I, memories began to flood, come back either through talking to other people or digging deep or having uh, Chris research stuff for me and kind of tee things up for me. Nice. That all of a sudden, you know, and, and what I thought was it actually became like a kind of a gift in a way because there might have been, there were memories that, that came to the surface that my, I may have never have remembered for the rest of my life right. had I not done this project. So, and it's not a, you know, I mean, every, I guess everybody who writes a memoir wants to think that it's not like everyone else's. Um, it's definitely not a kiss and tell, gossipy, dirt kind of a book. Right. It's really more about music and it's uh, more about um, the kind of stuff that I was into for many years. Because, you know, I, it's hard, I mean, it kind of sounds crazy, but I play, I was playing guitar for about 12 years before I even met Daryl. Wow. So yeah, because I, I knew a, you started as how, what? How old were you? Six when six. I started. So so you know I was playing shows and lect, you know in bands and playing solo acoustic uh, folk folk music and blues and stuff even before I met him. So right. I really wanted to explore that part of my life and bring that out a little bit so that so that people could make a connection because if you just you know if people only know me from the music of Hall and Oates, they don't really know who I am as a, no. as a musician because. Uh, and this kind of puts that into context in a way. Well, and also with your parents too. I mean, they were they were supportive as well. Yeah, oh, very supportive. Uh, they they never questioned me in any way, and were always gave me vocal lessons, guitar lessons, wow. and helped me with equipment when I was a kid. And so yeah, it's it's so it's a story of that. And then I, what I did was I, when it comes to the Hall and Oates story, which of course I can't separate myself. Right. From, well, it's, you're half of it. I I did. <laughs> I, what I, well, but then by the same time, that's the good part is that I'm half of it. The bad part is that I can't speak for Daryl Hall. No. So it's a, it's a weird tightrope to walk. Right. To try but to, you can speak to your perspective on it. Exactly. And it, that's, but that's also kind of hard to do sometimes. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyway, um, I just, um, I focused on the earliest, earliest days of when he and I got together and how hard it was to get a record deal and what it took. And all the stuff that happened, which is something that people don't know about. They know about the 80s. They know about the Well, yeah, because that's when you guys were so visual. I mean, exactly. if you think about it, John, you know, and, and obviously, you know, I've seen you guys in concert, you know, back in the 80s and all that stuff um, over in Carbondale, Illinois. And it was like, you know, and, and again in the 90s. It's like, but everybody knows you from those big years. Right. You know, when you guys were all over MTV, yeah. you were all over the radio, you had all these hits. But they don't know the days back when you guys were struggling that's right and you know with the early label days and all that yeah, and when all you, the crazy business stuff that happened right and, and you know driving around the country in a 1968 pontiac gto and <laughs> I mean, we toured in a yellow pontiac gto and that is not your typical tour bus yeah it's there's pictures of it in the book so you know it's it's real it's it's the real thing and and you know when I, and now ha- having done the book and kind of dragged up all those memories 
that's the be- that was the best time. Oh yeah. Because everything was new. Every sit, every town we went to was new. Every place we played was new. Every experience was new. Right. And you know, it, it really is pretty special. And uh, not not to say that the '80s weren't great. They they were almost too great. In right. A way. They were so intense and so crazy that I don't. In fact, in the book, I really don't spend much time talking about the 80s. Wow. So I think what, what people think is important to me, right. or what they think is important to like the success of Hall & Oates, is probably less important to me than some of the other stuff. Well, and I think also, you know, when you look back on it, John, to where, you know, the foundation that was built before Hall & Oates. Right. Because, you know, a lot of people, you know, even, even listeners to our show may not know really your background in music was much more R&B and folk. Yeah, that's right. Um, but then a pop icon <laughs> you know you're in the yeah. rock and roll hall of fame I had that happen i, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> but you know but musically yeah. people would not think oh yeah that's his background that's right. well that's why you know I'm, but i think what one of the great things of me uh, moving to nashville is that i've been able to explore that side of me and and really go back to my you know it's a cliche to say go back to your roots but it truthfully is what i've done i've gone back to the music that i loved as a kid and use that as a jumping off point to carve out my own solo identity no, I totally agree with you because, I mean, you know, knowing your music and, and, you know, your playing style, which obviously as a, a fellow guitarist, I look to you as the guitarist on stage and it's like pretty much only knew you for electric. Right. You know, it's like I didn't even know you dabbled in acoustic. I didn't know that you started in acoustic. Well, it's actually my fir- more, more <laughs> my first instrument, really. And then now, you know, as as you've uh, furthered your solo career, you know, with uh, with your solo albums and everything else you've done, now I think of you more acoustically. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's it's definitely, you know, even, you know, I have a choice. I can do, you know, whatever I want. But like with my little solo uh, combo that I'm working with right now, uh, you know, I stay on acoustic the whole night and I let Guthrie Trap play the uh, electric and he's an amazing electric guitar player. So and it's a cool combination because, you know, you got the two tonalities of the two different instruments and it's very consistent. Sure, I could pick up an electric guitar and do that easily. But uh, I like uh, I like that that combination and i like everyone having their own spot well now talking about the the book again that's going to be coming out in the spring um you know it, with the pictures and everything else did you like go through the old family oh, yeah. albums and i went through know? lots of pictures I, I i actually my my old girlfriend from, from the late 60s um a girl named barbara wilson uh took many many pictures of me in the in the 60s none many of hardly any no one's ever seen any of these pictures wow and she also documented the entire recording of the abandoned luncheonette album how amazing and so we have pictures of us in the studio with Arif martin and uh pictures of me in europe in, in 1970 uh, when i went to europe for four months and barbara went uh, to europe as well and she took pictures of me standing on the street in amsterdam and <laughs> just so it's it's got a, it's really got a lot of cool vintage stuff in it well, you know, and, and the challenge with the book, and I, and I can't wait to read it. I can't wait to get the advanced copy, but it's kind of, you know, how did you end it? I mean, how do you close that? Because well, it's not like... <laughs> I mean, boy, you must be reading my mind because when I got to 400 pages and I hadn't even hit my solo career in Nashville, <laughs> yeah, I got really, I got, I freaked out. Right. No, I did. I, I called uh, my publisher and I said, what, uh-oh, I said, I just did something bad. <laughs> I got, I'm, Oops. At, I'm at 400 pages and I haven't dealt with the last 16 years of my life. Right. Which are super important to me. Very. And, and I went, I, I don't know what to do. And he said, well, he said, you can do whatever you want. He goes, but you start getting past 400 pages and we're going to have a little bit of a, you know, it's an issue. Yeah. And I was like, well, I can't sell my Nashville experience short. 
I can't sell my solo career short. Right. Because it's very, here again, it's very important to me. Totally. So I actually figured out a way of almost doing a to be continued. <laughs> and to be honest with you, there's not any, a lot of information about Nashville in this book. Uh, it, because I really, I, I want to devote the right amount of time and space to it. I think it's a story unto itself. I think, I think you're very smart because really, like we talked about earlier on the show, you've created a foundation here. You know, to where you are, you've been embraced into a community that you, you know, you've got to be on the level with these people, you know, with the people that you're working with, like Vince, with Andy Guthrie, you know, Tom Bukovac, all these great musicians, studios and everything. You got to be legit. Yep. You got to be, you got to be able, you get your, your name can open the door to the party, but you don't get to stay at the party. (laughs) (laughs) You're so right. That's right. (laughs) Well, now speaking about it, you know, uh, you know, your, your solo album, your last one, uh, that you put out and, uh, and I think it's done very well, you know, and I know you've done some touring and some shows with that to where, you know, good road to follow. And, and I like it that it's got your logo just like on your guitar. Mm -hmm. And I think I've got on a t-shirt actually with that logo on it too. And maybe a guitar pick. Um, how's this album done for you? I mean, it's, it, you, know. Uh, you know, it's done very well. It actually got, um, it was rated in the top 10 on a bunch of websites, uh, top 10 albums of the year. Uh, it actually was number one album of the year on one website. Uh, very, very cool music site. I can't remember which one. So, it, it, you know, it was a, here again, a labor of love. Uh, it, it gave me the opportunity to collaborate with people that a lot of my good friends and people that I didn't know who I made friends with along the way. So it was really an album about uh, exploring uh, influences. Well, and I think it really showcases your talent well. We're going to take a listen to uh, one of your tracks tonight, right now with uh, John Oates with Good Road to Follow. And this song is uh, Don't Cross Me Wrong. This is the one that I got to write with Vince Gill. Um, I, I wanted to work with him, and here's my excuse. And I, I basically approached Vince uh, and said, hey, you want to be part of this project? And, of course, you know, in a very uh, wise way, he came back. We, well, he goes, well, we better write a song first. And so uh, I went over to his house. He said, you know, he showed me a row of vintage Gibson acoustics. Yeah. And I went, okay. And he went, pick one. I said, okay. Oh. I just picked one. We sat in his living room. And about two hours later, we finished the song. And uh, I said, well, did we make the cut? He goes, let's cut it. Let's do it at my house. And we handpicked the band together. It's uh, It was Chad Cromwell on ba- on drums, uh, Willie Weeks on bass. Um, let's see, uh, Colin Linden on slide guitar. Nice. Tom Bukovac on rhythm guitar. Wow. I played guitar and Vince didn't play guitar. Really? He didn't want to for some reason. <laughs> He's a monster uh, teleplayer. Then, then we had, uh, let's see who we, oh yeah, and Kevin McKendry on keyboards. And then we brought in Becca Bramlett and Vince, Becca and I sang live. Wow. And at the end of the session, we did the whole thing in one day, start to beginning, finish the record. And at the end of the day, I said, Vince, nobody played a solo. I said, come on, man. And so we just picked out his, <laughs> Took out his 335, plugged it into an amp, and just burned this incredible solo. Well, let's take a listen to it right now. Don't Cross Me Wrong uh, with John Oates off of his solo album, Good Road uh, Good Road to Follow. And this is uh, the song he wrote with Vince Gill. Thanks for tuning in to Acme Radio Gear Gab. To listen to this song and the full show playlist, head to acmeradiolive.com and check out the Gear Gab page under archives. And that was Don't Cross Me Wrong off of John Oates' album, Good road to follow, and uh, you know, and, and as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, when you and I were hanging out the last time, John, I, I've listened to this whole album a number of times, and and watched the the DVD, you know, and just a great, I mean, it, so many great songs on here. Thank you. Yeah, and and, and I think what's so much fun about them is that it, they're your interpretations. Yeah, you know, we're, each person I worked with, whether they were the uh, co-producers or co-writers or whatever, they all brought 
you know, what they brought their, their personalities to the project. And that's exactly what the whole album was about. But it's a very, you know, it's just, um, man, it's just fun. It's a fun listen. I mean, you know, it, you know, you can find so many different tastes in there. And I didn't know, you know, the, the whole studio thing, like we were talking yeah. about, that you'd bounced around. But to me, musically, you know, that's what I'm listening for right. and the tonality. And, and you sound like you're having fun doing it. Oh, I was having fun. Trust me. I, <laughs> I was having fun because the whole project was, you know, the, basically just all, you know, if, if so, it, it was the, only, the people who worked on it were people who just wanted to make the music. Right. There was no agenda. You know, I have my own record label. I'm very fortunate. I've oh, got, yeah. Uh, I've got a custom label with Warner Nashville here in town, and they distribute for me. But That's great. But it's my label, so if I want to make the record, I just make it. Now, was this your fifth or sixth solo album? This would have been, let's see, I think sixth. I thought so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and you really just started doing your own solo albums, what, in? 2000. Oh, yeah, I thought mm-hmm. so, 2000. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, you, you've been rather prolific. Yeah, 16 years, six records. That's yeah. Yeah, well, and also in between touring with yeah. Paula Notes right. and yeah, no, you know, I've been on a feeding frenzy, but uh, <laughs> I think I take a little little chill break for a while. Yeah, I don't blame you. Well, especially with the book coming out in the spring and and another tour, yeah. you know, right after the book. Um, now we were talking also, you know, with with the tours that um, you had toured with uh, Sharon Jones. Yeah, our last tour was amazing. We had uh, Trombone Shorty and Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, and. Wow. Uh, as you know, all, all, a lot of people will probably know, Sharon Jones unfortunately and sadly passed away mm-hmm. recently. Uh, and um, she, uh, she she did the entire tour with us uh, all last year, did a ton of shows together, and she was so beautiful and um, she was such an amazing person. And uh, I could see every night, you know, or every backstage, she was basically, she could hardly walk. Wow. And she got on stage every night and she brought it every night and she was amazing and just put her heart and soul to every note that came out of her mouth. And the moment the show was over, she would just kind of withdraw to her dressing room and put her sweats on and kind of, you know, go to sleep basically. And that was her whole thing. And uh, the tour ended in in September and she just uh, passed away just a few weeks ago. So, and what a great voice and so much energy on stage. And I mean, the whole band. Oh, definitely. And the Dap Kings are incredible as well. So, yeah, it's such a shame. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we were talking about, you know, all of the different projects and everything. Now, I, I got to know, um, you know, with this new Christmas, you know, with the Christmas songs and everything, you know, the, the Christmas song that you did with the Time Jumpers and with your trio, what kind of brought this in? You know, what, what made you want to do this? Well, I had co-written this Christmas song for a guy named Stephen Davis, who was, is a big band singer. Ah. And he recorded it in a big band style. Gotcha. And after the song was written, the moment, actually during the process of writing the song, I was almost getting jealous because I said, I can't believe I'm writing a song for Stephen Davis. I said, I want to record this. But I had to give him the respect of, you know, because the project was written for him mm-hmm. um, and he recorded it and released it and he did a nice job with it. Uh, but then I thought to myself, the m- next Christmas, I'm putting this thing out. Right. I didn't know how I was going to do it or who I was going to do it with. But then as soon as I began to, it became a reality, I thought... Okay, it's the perfect song for the Time Jumpers because Stephen Davis had already done this big band, traditional kind of Frank Sinatra style version of it. And it's a swing song, so it can go in a lot of directions. So I thought, okay, why not Texas Swing? Yeah. And so that's where the Time Jumpers uh, came up. Which are, you know, just incredible Texas Swing right here. And you know everybody. Oh, yeah. So, and I I basically played them the, the, you know, the demo that I had done. And uh, they went, let's do it. And that's it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds amazing. I mean, both tracks do. Yeah, really, really happy with it. And and obviously, it's not doing shabby on the it's, charts. It's doing unbelievable. It's it's, it's just totally surprising. <laughs> did you ever think? You know, because you're you're like you know 
one of the top pop people from like the 80s and 90s and now 2016 seriously i, I got this <laughs> screenshot of the of the chart and it's number six on the mpe a day uh, you know play mpe streaming chart right in the whole country I mean, next to, you know, like Brett Eldridge and Billy Currington yeah. and, and all these pop. And, and I'm like, holy cow. I said, I got a country hit. I can't believe this. I better go out and get my, get a new cowboy hat or something. But know. but it is going back to your roots. Well, in a way, yes. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you, it's like you're coming full I, circle. I guess if you hang around Nashville long enough, maybe you get a, get a country hit. You know? It rubs off on you. If the musical gods are good to you, you know. <laughs> you know, when I first moved here, one of my uh, guys at work said, you know how you can tell a tourist, Eric? I said, no, cowboy boots or a cowboy hat. That's how you're like going, okay, well, there you go. So obviously you and I wear neither. That's right. But uh, I, I just think it's so great that, you know, and you're also doing a lot of producing still too. I mean, you know, besides yeah. the guitar playing and, you know, the the writing and singing and everything else and doing your solo acts and with Hollow Notes and a book coming out. Wow, that's a lot. And it, I know. But, I the, know. but then you're producing. It's, well, okay, so, I, so you've proved to the entire world of radio that I'm nuts. <laughs> And I, and I accept that. Okay. You let's, like to stay busy. Let, let's move on. <laughs> so, I mean, are there any more uh, artists no. artists, no. artists, or anything you're no. producing? No. I won't tell your wife or no. about the amp. No, no, no. Honestly, you know, I'm not a really good producer. You know, one thing about producing, it's one thing to know how to use a studio and to how to record. But there's a lot more to producing a record than, than just recording and technology and that kind of stuff. It has to do with you have to devote your time to getting into the artist's life, their personality. Gotcha. Their, you know, their their entire world is basically, you have to enter their world and you have to help them bring out whatever it is that they're going to do. Right. And I don't have the energy to do that. Uh, but you have done it over the years. I've done it and I'm not, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't think I'm that good at it. And I think I'm okay, but I think it's something where I, I don't have the ability to commit myself to to another person's life with with all I've got going on. Well, yeah, and you've got an amazing amount of things so going it, on. It's one of those things, really. And I think that's that's really what it's about. Well, what do you see as like your next project? I mean, you sleeping? know, like, <laughs> besides <laughs> sleeping and visiting your family. Yeah, I no, mean, you know, no, I, I mean, I mean, what's on the horizon for you? Because I mean, you know, you've worked at this book for uh, two years, so and it's going to be coming out April fourth. That's right. And uh, you continue to write. You know, not only for yourself, but other artists. Yeah. I'm just, I enjoy, I love writing songs. I mean, if I can spend the next few months just writing songs, I will be very, very happy because 217 is going to be a huge year of touring with Hall & Oates. Right. And so I'm kind of mentally kind of relaxing yeah. the, on the creative side so that I can go out there and tour and have a real, you know, because we're going to tour all over the world in 217. So wow. it's going to be a big tour. It'll be a big arena tour. And uh, How are so, you going to do all the book signings? Are you going to fit it into where you do like a book signing I'm the working, day of before you play the concert that night? It's exactly what I'm working <laughs> on right now. Boy, you, you're right on it. You, you know exactly what's happening. I'm trying to figure out how I can squeeze this book promotion. Yeah, because uh, you got to. Well, but then, you know, in, in a way it's bad because it's a lot to do. Right. But in a way it's good because there's a lot of eyeballs and a lot of uh, visibility by right. being on tour. Well, and also, so, I think it feeds both of your both sides of John Oates because you're feeding the Holland Oates part that people think they know and is very visual, and then you're feeding your your solo side, you know, the you side of it with the book. That's it, and uh, you know, that's the good thing about my partnership with Daryl is that we have both been very respectful of our individual projects. He's got his TV show live from Daryl's house, which right. is a great TV show. And he's worked his butt off to make that show uh, a success. And it's a great show. So, you know, he's got that. I've got my, what I'm doing 
all these other millions of things that I'm doing. <laughs> um, and, uh, but, you know, we, we figure out ways to, of creating the space for that to happen. Well, and you're always so complimentary as well, because I remember when you and I were talking a few years ago, and you said how uh, you were very fortunate to find as great a vocalist as Daryl Hall to team up with. Yeah, I mean, and I thought that was a very nice statement. He's one of the greatest singers in the world, and and, and I will say that unequivocally because I've stood next to him for forty years. Um, he's 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 a very rare uh, talent, and um, you know just listen to the records you can tell. Yeah. Well, and I think you are as well. I think you know, like you and I talked before, John. You guys are good yin and yang of each other. You to where you fill you fill in for each mm -hmm. other. You know, it uh, it is <laughs> our name of our touring company is Two Headed Monster. <laughs> So that, I think that says it all right there. <laughs> that is awesome. Now, once again, we want to make sure that uh, everybody runs out and buys your new 45 yes, or downloads the new songs. Download and so, that song. I, I want, I want to, if I come number away, one. if I come away with a number one record, I will lose my mind. <laughs> and so, uh, so you can do it on your website. Yep. John Oates.com, Hall one word. Mm -hmm. And if you want to go on iTunes or, or wherever you can download, uh, you can find it there. It's streaming on Spotify and all the streaming services as well. Amazing. And then also, I just want to say again, before we uh, uh, end uh, wrap up the show, that uh, John Oates' book will be going on sale. It's already on pre-sale. You can pre-order pre it right now on Amazon. It's called, and then Ch it's called Change of Seasons. Change of Seasons will be coming out. And it sounds like a great book from everything I've read. And uh, it will uh, arrive at your door after April 4th. I assume so. And you can probably get it signed by John as well. You can. Well, once again, the one and only John Oates from Holland Oates, uh, a great performer, great writer, great person. Be sure and catch him on tour this next year or at one of his solo gigs, and uh, you'll never be disappointed. Thanks, thanks for Eric. thanks Appreciate for joining you. us. All right. Thanks for listening to Acme Radio Gear Gab, and a big thanks to IK Multimedia. This is Eric Dahl, and check out past shows at acmeradiolive.com. We hope you enjoyed Acme Radio Gear Gap, hosted by Eric Dahl. Thanks to our artists on today's show and our sponsor, IK Multimedia, Musicians First. Past episodes are on demand on all podcast platforms and acmeradiolive.com.